Welcome back, everyone, to the Flowchat Podcast. I'm Kevin. He's Gordon. We had a day to rest after the NCAA championship extravaganza, and now we're back to tell you everything that I got right and everything that Gordon got wrong about the season. If you're listening, you can check out the show on YouTube or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or on the website. Gordon, it's a long list. It's a long list. We better jump right into it. How are you doing? Yeah, well, you can talk about that list, and I'm going to talk about the list of everything that you got wrong and that I got right. So <laughs> if we're going to play that game, we're going both ways. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was um, a lot of times when you're in the middle of a, you're in the moment of a meet, you kind of – some things that kind of get overlooked that you kind of forget about. Mm-hmm. You're like, whoa, Michigan State women, you know, all, all these little things yeah. that kind of in the heat of the moment get overlooked. We want to kind of – Take a step back. Took 24 hours. Reevaluate. Do a little redux of NCAA cross country and see like what we were right about and what we were wrong about. I think we should start with what we're right about because it's always good to talk about what we're right about and then we'll go into the things we got wrong. Positivity. Start, start on the good side. Okay, but before we do that, I want to know just in general, what did you notice? Not necessarily right or wrong when you had a chance to look back at the results because two things jumped out at me because when we were doing this the show we we're doing the live reaction show with Courtney Frerichs Morgan McDonald we're looking at the splits we're looking at the race and it's just there's so much to to wrap your mind around so when I went back and looked two things jumped out to me one of them you mentioned Michigan State women they were in last place at 1k <clears throat> 31st place literally last place and then they end up on the podium something that I did not catch during the actual race and Another one was a little bit more apparent, but it just is crazy to think about how good Notre Dame was. How good Notre Dame was. Their fifth runner scored 21 points. Their sixth runner was at a you know, scored 31 points, right? Like it was it was just an amazing effort. Six runners in the top 36 places overall here for Notre Dame. Yeah, they get uh, second, they come up a little short of the team battle, but I think if you told them before the meet, hey, you're gonna have six guys in the top 36, they would have taken it. Those were the two for me. Did you have any? Yeah, well, that Notre Dame one, it's kind of interesting. I looked at some race footage uh, after the fact and just seeing like them, they kind of like all came across the finish line together. Yeah. Uh, and I yeah. was like, it looked like they had just, it looked like they were the NAU of the race. In a, in a weird way, mm-hmm. right? If they were wearing a different color jersey, you'd be like, oh, that's NAU out there. Um, but NAU mm-hmm. just had a even better meet, uh, which we kind of expected. But Notre Dame, man, yeah, they're definitely – I would argue that Notre Dame and – I mean, we'll get into it later. I, I kind of want to – let's just go right into what we got right and wrong, and then we can kind of talk about – I like that format best. Let's talk about what we got right. I'll go first. First thing that I think that – we got right, or I would say just in general, is NAU men and BYU women. We both ranked them number one for majority of the season. BYU women didn't get ranked number one until kind of halfway. But from the end of – from the, like the last month leading up, we were saying it's NAU's and BYU's races to lose, and they won. So whenever the number one ranked team wins – that's something you got right. So we thought NAU <laughs> men would win. We thought BYU women would win. And that's what happened. So that's the first thing I feel yeah. like we got right. Listen, yeah, and as you mentioned in the context of Notre Dame, but NAU's top four was about what, 20, 25 seconds, uh, about 20 seconds ahead with their pack, right, with Young, Farrow, Nur, and Grijalva, four in the top <clears throat> nine coming in so yeah you're you're dead on about that you're dead on about how low their score was i think you were you were saying they could go even as low as as 50 they got (laughs) they got 60 which is pretty dang close there that's a that's a incredibly low score so just the the dominant nature again i mean notre dame ran the the race of their life but if you just compare if you take out notre dame which whatever you know take out the second place team obviously it's going to make a big difference but then you have to go all the way back to 142 with Oklahoma State, 181 with Arkansas. So, yeah, completely 
completely solid performance with NAU. Obviously, a little bit of a gap between four and five. But when your five is scoring 38 in most meets, you're going to be you're going to be just fine. So, tip of the cap to you, Gordon, on that one. There you go. So predicting the number one teams, it's a good way to start the meet, getting those two right. Another thing that I feel like we got right, or at least I got right, that I've been right for the past year and a half yeah. was – Take a victory lap. Take a victory lap. The introduction of Mercy Chilenga to the rest of the world. Uh, I was on her train much earlier than anyone else's. I, I don't think anyone was on her train – until Monday, uh, but she was a preseason rank of number seven going into mm-hmm. the into August. We did a podcast with uh, Lincoln, and we revealed our top twenty preseason individual rankings. And when Mercy mm-hmm. Chilenga was added to the list, he was very confused. If you guys want to listen to a fun little um, time machine podcast, go to episode one thirty five. Go to timestamp twenty four thirty. And there's a good 10-minute segment of me trying to convince Lincoln that Mercy deserves to be in the national rankings. And it came to fruition. I, uh, she ran – I mean, I, she decided to scratch indoors and was able mm-hmm. to stay fresh. And she just was able to put together on the right day. And she came away with victory. And she was ranked number three going into the mm-hmm. – into – um, and say cross, she ends up winning. But I just feel like being able to pinpoint an athlete who didn't even qualify for NCAA cross last year to be yeah. a legit title contender in 2021. Yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta pat myself on the back for finding that uh, diamond in the rough. Well, you believed too. That was the key part. You didn't just put her on the list. You believed because you're right. Lincoln didn't know who she was. If I recall, I think I came on the next pod and said that was a smart pick because didn't she run 1550 and change during indoors before it got canceled? And we would have at least seen her at indoors last year. Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, 1537. There was some reason why. Oh, 1537. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a obviously a a good time. And she was one of those people who probably would have had a breakout. Not necessarily would have won at Albuquerque last indoor season, but maybe she would have gotten fifth or sixth. And then it wouldn't have seemed as bold of a pig. Yeah, really solid. And, uh, you know, her teammate up there, uh, Emerice Taizma, finishing third. Another another sleeper there as well, too. Didn't realize it at yeah, the time. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, she, she had the fastest DMR. Their DMR got DQ'd, but Taizma had, I think, the fastest mile split of, of anybody in in Fayetteville. Yeah, Alabama is a team to look out for. I mean, one of their typical top three, top four runners had an awful race and finished in the 200s, John Marie. If she has a normal race to her ability and finishes like top 40, they could have four All-Americans. And if they could just find a fifth next year, Alabama could be a sneaky uh, podium, maybe even a title contender, especially if they have that one-two punch of Tamisa, mm-hmm. Tamisa and uh, Um mm-hmm. So, yeah. Another hey, thing. you oh, Hold on, though. Before you do that, I'm going to stand up for Lincoln while we're here because one thing he did get right. Well, he got two things right because we had a fantasy draft and he won the men's and the women's fantasy. That's not true. He didn't. No, he didn't. I won the men's. No, look at the thing. He scored 50 points. I scored 30 points in the men. Let's get that. Okay. He won the women's. I'm sorry. He got, yeah, he won the women's. No, you won. You won the women's. I won the women's. I didn't look at the thing. Send it. Send it to you me need again. to look at the Send results, man. Come on, man. Oh, yeah. so you didn't? I just you won, he won nothing. He won overall. He won oh, overall. Oh, 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 okay. Well, there's no. So he won the men, and I won the women, and you won nothing. Okay, so here's some things I that won, I got right. I won the men. I won the men. You won the women, and he won overall. We got second oh, wow, in that's both, which was got oh. him to. So I'll send it to you. So yeah, on the okay. men, I scored thirty points. Lincoln scored 50. You scored 154. Ooh. And then on the women's score side, you scored 71. Lincoln scored 81, and I scored 114. Oh, and then the okay, final overall score was Lincoln 131, me 144, you 225. So 
it's rare when you're doing a fantasy draft when you know it's going to go poorly, but that's how it was with my men's team. If you remember at the moment, I just <laughs> again I, by round four I was just taking flyers. I had I had Kip too, which was solid. You had Mance, which was good. You had both winners individually, yeah. but yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Lincoln gets the win though, one thirty-one, one forty-four. I'm, I'm, a, yeah, but I, I win, I won the women's. Well, we, yeah. So you won. The, we all won something. Yeah. Here. I just want to bring that up because you were rip, <laughs> you're ripping him for the Chalangat uh, pick, but yeah, your your men's squad one five six seven. 11, 13, 24. Who was on your team? Let's, let's look at your men's team here. Mance, Klinger, Nur, Kemboy, Pharaoh, Deaver, and Meyer. Man, that's a that is a squad. Um, my women's team that won Donahue, Haas, Logue, Taylor Rowe, Beeling, Frentaway, and Esser Gatahi got the win. And Lincoln, man, yeah, Lincoln just balanced, just steady, just just getting things done there. So credit pack, to him. I want to mention. Okay. What else did you get right, Gordon? Tell us so, more things that you got right. In the the men's battle, we we got pretty much right, and by that I mean mm. of our top ten of our top ten pre of our top ten final rankings, six of them finished in the top ten. That's pretty good. So six of so we thought all right. We I'll, we'll talk about Luis. Luis is a <laughs> we'll talk about Luis in the second half. But we had Luis ranked first. He got ninth. So difference of eight. Are you talking about individual? Connor Mantra. Yeah, individual. I'm talking about individual. Oh, 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 okay. No, no, individual. So six of our top ten individuals finished yeah. in the top ten. So Luis, we had one, but he finished ninth. So difference of eight. Connor Mance, we've had second, he got first. Wesley Kipta, we had third, he got third. Nico Young, he, had, he we had fourth, he got fourth. Uh Eduardo Herrera, we had fifth, he had an awful race. Abdi Amanur, we had sixth. He got seventh. Casey Klinger, we had seventh. He got 13th. Nagus finished in the 20th. Patrick Deaver, we had ninth. He got fifth. So, like, yeah. there were, like Alex Masai, we had 10th. He got 32nd. Alex Masai, though, was and could probably finish top 10 if he was able to hold on late. But in general, we were able to really hone in on the core group that was going to be in the, the individual contention. And I feel like that was kind mm -hmm. of a, what we got right on the men's individual side. And Wild, Wild Shit was the big X factor there, coming back, especially yeah. from track. But if you if you swap him out for Grahalva, it was a it would have had all the names that we thought who were going to be yeah. in there. He was the real unexpected one up there. Yeah, and I mean, kind of he took the spot where where we thought Eduardo Herrera probably would have been. Because Herrera mm -hmm. didn't have a, a that great of a race, so that was another thing we got right. I, I expect. I mean, Kip two getting third, we ranked him third. Young getting fourth, mm -hmm. we ranked him fourth. Abdi Hamid six seven. They were close. Yeah, I, don't know, I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah I so, would not have had. I mean, Pharaoh. Yeah. Pharaoh, I think definitely outperformed his expectations. Isaiah Rodriguez yeah. was, was solid there, in in eighth, and then Kilray of Notre Dame in in tenth. Yeah, yeah not. Not not too far off. Not too far off. Obviously, yeah, there's I always going to be some exceptions. You saw you. We ranked eleventh, so he was within his range too, right? So, yeah. and Blaze, yeah, yeah. we had top fifteen like two weeks prior, but we took him mm -hmm. out. I took him out because he didn't run conference. So, mm -hmm. if he would have ran conference, probably would have kept Blaze there in the top fifteen. Anyway, but that's something we got right. We kind of did have a good beat on because. Uh, we went in thinking like it's gonna be a Mance Kip to Grijalva, Young might sneak in there yeah. type race, and we kind of yeah. got most of that for for the. We got most of that. One last in uh, retrospect, two, two more things. Yeah, in retrospect, sorry. In retrospect, it makes sense that Mance won, looking how difficult yes, the course was, and the fact that he didn't didn't double back. It, it's one of those results where you think, okay, I could see that lining up perfectly for him on the day. And Mance is just a racer. I did an interview with uh, Dave Smith, Oklahoma State coach. Uh, we'll talk about. Actually, we'll talk about this later. I'll bring up Mance later, later on in the pod. Um, then we'll save mm, that for. That's a tease. Second half. Of that's the a pod. tease. Tease. A you, tease went half, you went halfway down the road and just did a U-turn there. And final two things that I feel like we got right slash sort of right. Start the Arkansas men. The entire time, 
We mm-hmm. ranked Arkansas as a podium contender. We kind of ignored the fact that they were doing indoors. We just said, nope, they're still going to be three, four, five in that range. And mm-hmm. they finished fourth, the Arkansas men. Um, and I think when you look at that performance, what they did with you know three or four of their guys coming off of indoor 5Ks and 3Ks, you got to think Arkansas fresh might be able to challenge the NAUs and Notre Dames of this world. I would think so. I mean, you could you could argue that maybe give each of their their tire guys five to seven, five to ten more spots, and maybe they they get closer in on potentially being a, a title contenders. Mm. Yeah, it's hard to measure. It's hard to measure. Yes, Definitely that what, you have thirty nine points back of Oklahoma State. That's in range. Leaping all the way up to Notre Dame and NAU territory. That's a it's a different ask. But you're right. <laughs> With the doubles and triples that the guys on that team did, and that we saw how difficult that course was, man, I mean that was a that was an impressive, impressive turnaround for, for Arkansas for sure, and, well, I guess we'll talk about this later when we preview next year next year's race. I think they're a team to watch, in the yes, fall for sure because we're only we're only a few months away, and there will be no indoor championships preceding the. National championships in cross country next year, as far as I know, unless they move something around. As far Maybe as outdoors know. will get perfect. <laughs> outdoors will be on the first two days. And then, just kidding. No, I shouldn't say that. That's bad karma. Okay. Uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about you got right before yeah. we go into what you got wrong? One last thing One last thing that we got right. Okay. I right, kind of got right, sort of got right. ZNAU women. Uh, after the Big Sky Championships, I came on this pod and I said, hold up. NAU women might podium. Or maybe even win. I was like talking in like the NAU is not a top ten team. They're potentially top four team, right? Do you remember that pod when I did that? And you're kind of yes. like Gordon, come on. All right, check no, this out. I just check said, hey, the- let's let's go one. Let's, let's go a ten minute block without talking about NAU. That was more my thinking. Okay. But go ahead. <laughs> but the NAU women's uh, look at their split. At one k, they were in first place. At 2K, they were in second place. At 3K, they were in third place. At 4K, they were in fourth place. At 5K, they're at fifth place. And then at 6K, they finish 11th. That that 11th place finish is purely because one of their their number three runner lost 200 places in the final 200 meters because uh, she was crawling on the ground. I'm not sure which athlete it was, but at with 200 meters to go, not even with a K to go, they were probably in fifth place. And I think if NAU women finished in fifth, we would have been like, hey, wow, NAU women. It's not just the men. The women are in there. And that's what we were predicting back in during a big sky a few weeks ago. But I just want to take – I think the way they ran almost 90% of the way, they were running like what we thought they would. They still finished 11th, which is good. It's an improvement from last year. But any women, if they figured out that final 200 meters – they would have been probably where Michigan State was potentially. So there was about yeah about a hundred and six points from fourth to eleventh. They were all crammed in there. And when you go back through and look, most of the teams had not most of them. Several of the teams had someone like that who lost yeah. a bunch of points in the last K because it was it was so hard. So you could do that with. Um, a lot of these teams, you know, during the broadcast, I remember thinking Whitney Orton going backwards from five to six K would have been a death blow for, for BYU. Little did I know her losing 17 points or 16 points, I think was nothing compared <laughs> to what was going on behind her. I mean, even another, another runner on BYU who was going to be in their top five, I think moved, uh, went back 150 spots or so, uh, 130 spots, maybe in that, in that last kilometer. Uh, so there was all sorts of crazy stuff happening. I didn't look individually for Michigan State, but I, it wouldn't surprise me if they were the only ones who uh, didn't have any huge backslides there. I'm looking at their individual runners now. So Jenna Magnus moved up two spots. Uh, Lindsey Graham moved back two spots. India Johnson moved up 11 spots. Kayla Perez moved up nine spots. And then Katie Osika moved up 19. So they were probably one of the better ones. Yeah, yeah, like by, by a lot. Where, whereas um, 
everybody else's scores seem to be going up, up, up. I guess Stan- Stanford knocked down 13 points, but that's that's because they moved. They had some sliding between four and five k that put them into the 200s. Oh, it looks like Min- oh Minnesota, Minnesota definitely moved up in the last uh, last one kilometer too to get up for fifth. Um, yeah. Bethany Haas coming back on that double too was impressive. Okay, so that's what we got right. The list of what we got wrong is longer, but we'll do that after <laughs> this week's edition of the Under Armour Performance Series featuring a familiar face, Gordon, for those out there who watched the watch party on Monday. We'll check that out and then we'll come back with what we got wrong. And now it's time for the Under Armour Performance Series. Under Armour, more than an apparel or shoe company, human performance company trying to not only make their athletes better, but everyone a better runner. In this series, we've been talking to athletes, coaches, trainers on a variety of topics to help improve you as a runner from preparation, nutrition, and training to competing and recovery. Today's guests, four-time NCAA champion, Morgan McDonald, and Doug Smiley, back for another return on the podcast. He's the global category manager for performance run at Under Armour. Thank you both for joining. Doug, let's start with you. You were on before. We were talking about field event spikes. Now we're talking about distance events. I know you guys have introduced some specific spikes, 400, 800, 5K, 10K, as opposed to just the miling spikes. Uh, How do they differ from one another? Yeah, and we really approach this of kind of looking at our track and field collection. Of course, you're going to have your power sprints where our objective is just to keep you centered on the platform for those explosive takeoffs. But as we get into a little more of the distance events, uh, we call it finesse sprints, but we kind of look at the holistic experience here, where of course you want speed, you want all that propulsion, but also comfort and cushioning are gonna be a little more of a factor here. So we took definitely a lot of those learnings we had from our power sprints and said, how do we translate those for those mid distance events? And then of course, relying on our pro athletes, getting those amazing insights and really aggregating it because this is really when we get to this pinnacle level, all those small little details matter. So it's just driving through those small, minute insights to really perfect the product. And it's really proven itself out on the track. So we've had some amazing performances and shoes like the Shakedown, which is our 3K to 10K shoe. Uh, but there was really a lot of trial and learning behind the scenes, working with pro athletes like Morgan and the team in Dark Sky and Flagstaff, and also a ton of our NCA partners as well. So it was really kind of building on our, our body of knowledge, but really making sure we're getting truly specific for those finesse sprints and those longer distances on the track. Morgan, during your college days at University of Wisconsin, it was an Under Armour school. So you kind of had a, like an early taste of the Under Armour brand during your college years. But now that you're in the professional setting, what has what have you seen from the Under Armour brand growing from the shoes you were putting on back in, 2016 and 17 to now the shoes you're putting on in 2021? Yeah, I mean, when you take into account all the college years and then a couple of years as a pro, my relationship with Under Armour has actually gone on for a very long time now. And it has been very awesome to see that development from the shoe standpoint. Obviously, the apparel has always been amazing, but um, to see where they've come from, from that kind of day one shoe um, into just becoming a real running brand has been really cool to see. And obviously, as a pro, you get to see much more of the behind the scenes, even in college, actually, you know, we'd have people from Under Armour come out. And I think it's just been awesome to kind of see that process where every year, you know, they have a shoe and then they're taking feedback and they're, they're working with that and they're using that to develop a better shoe for the next year. And so I get really excited every time uh, we get shown the shoes for the next year, you can really see those jumps. And you can also kind of see like how, you know, different things that you different things that you said about the previous show have been taken into account and getting used and you really do see those improvements and you kind of do get to see the impact that you're having as well. So it is pretty amazing to kind of see it unfold just in front of your eyes because I mean, obviously there's a lot that goes into making shoes and uh, it's it's well above my pay grade, but to be able to witness it and maybe have a little impact on it is, has been really cool. Can you take us behind the scenes a little bit? I know you're the first athlete to test out the new the new 10K spike, the shake, the shakedown. Everybody, mm-hmm. everybody's always interested in the latest and greatest spikes, and everybody wants to know what does it mean when an athlete is giving input. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. So the shakedowns are really cool. I went from 
using um, a pretty more basic distance spike. Um, I kind of remember what it was called, maybe the kick, the UA kick, distance kick. And that's what I used in my final year of college. And then the jump to the shakedown was was really big for me. That's the shoe that I wore through the 2019 season. I wore at the World Champs in the 5K and I still wear it today. And it's just a very solid spike. And, you know, it's been awesome even seeing that little jump. And when you talk about the, the kind of athlete input, the feedback, that process, um, the way it works normally is, and I've done this with a wide variety of shoes, not just spikes. You know, we get sent out these samples and then the team at UA will be in contact with us through surveys or just talking really like they're very receptive to having chats. And, you know, we just give our feedback on like what we like, what we don't like, how it's feeling for us. And um, yeah, there's a bit more to it. Obviously, the surveys can be long sometimes, but um, yeah, you just give your feedback and it's really cool. I think <laughs> as I think any runner will tell you that getting to test samples is like just it's just so exciting because, you know, yeah, as you said, you always do want to be getting an opportunity to wear those new shoes. And, um, you know, even though I've been running for so long, I'm still just like a shoe nerd. And I just I just love to see whatever's new and to to get to have it as, as soon as possible, normally get to wear it. So it is really fun, that aspect of it. Doug, why do you think it's valuable uh, to bring in athletes like Morgan into the wear testing phase, the, into the creation process of the next generation shoe? Uh, I just think it's super important for our approach. First of all, for our athletes, it's like they are, you know, we're honored they signed with Under Armour. And so we need to make sure we're giving them the best performance solutions possible, not only from what they have on the track, but also what they can train in and also our, our solutions for how they can recover. So it's really kind of this holistic approach to the athlete. But I think this is something, like I said, it's like we're performing at such a high level here where, you know, millimeters matter and those small little details and insights are really going to drive our direction. So it's not about color. It's not about a commercial need. It's all about that moment they lace up, they're on the track and they don't even need, they don't need to think about their shoes and they're so focused on their performance. So I think it's a lot has to do with that confidence and, and kind of peace of mind knowing that we thought about all those little details. Like Morgan said, we took those small little insights and we've infused it to any every update we've made so they can go out there and know this product has been perfected to allow them to perform optimally. Was Doug, was Morgan like the inspiration behind the, the shakedown? Morgan's an inspiration for a lot of our work. Uh, but, you know, for someone who can get those insights and especially for, like I said, having that great uh, translation from running an Under Armour product in Madison at Wisconsin to get into the pro level, you know, there's a great continuity there. So that's someone who, you know, like Rachel Schneider has been, been with us for a long time. So she can give, be a great informant of like how our product is progressing. So, you know, having that experience in college and then getting up to the pro ranks and then being able to perfect this product right as we're doing a whole track and field line, it was kind of the perfect relationship with the right shoe, the right distance. And, you know, it always has to be the right point in the training cycle. We don't want to interfere with performance. So it's, it's always finding those moments where it's the right time to test prototypes and really get those insights in order to make better product for, for future competition. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of the right moments, obviously, Morgan, the goal for you is, is compete at the Olympics this year. I know you raced in two indoor competitions. What's the season look like for you? Yeah, so we had a nice little winter of training and then racing, which unfortunately for me got ended short. I sprained my ankle. So that's what I'm dealing with right now. But looking ahead, um, get the ankle right and then get back into a solid block of training and then hopefully get back into racing once those outdoor races start um, here in the US, you know, through May and April. It looks like there actually should be a few, some really good races. So I'm looking forward to doing those. All right. Thank you very much, Morgan McDonald and Doug Smiley today's guests on the Under Armour Performance Series. Thank you guys both so much for your time. We appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks so much. All right. We are back, and I'm wearing a slightly different shade of red on my T-shirt. Let's talk now, Gordon, about what we got wrong. I'll go first. How about that? Do you want me to go first? There we go. Yes. Lead off here. What do we get wrong? Okay. I thought I'll just say me. I'm not going to put you in this one because I said it early in the season. I said it right before the meet. I even said it during the race with a K to go. This one's going to be close. There's going to be three or four teams you can throw a blanket over. And it ended up for the women, BYU won by 60 plus points. I was wrong. 
I was wrong. It did not end up being close. Yeah, that is very true. We, I, I was in the boat with you. We thought it would be maybe five to 30 points separating the top four teams, and it wasn't that. It didn't happen. And we knew it wasn't close because BYU was able to bleed a bit in that final K and still win comfortably because it wasn't close. If it was close, Whitney Orton not running as well could have been the big swing that could have given a different team a, a win. But, yeah, wasn't close. Yes. Yeah. Well, if you'd have told me before, hey, Whitney Orton's going to be their third runner and one of their normal top five runners is going to really struggle in the last kilometer and go from outside of their top five where she had been most of the year and and finish, you know, in a non-scoring position. I think most people would have said, okay, well, BYU did not have a very good day. I guess the moral of the story is, though, if you're a great team, you can absorb – there's a moral to every story, Gordon. Okay. Well, the lesson here, right? Your number one could have a bad day relative to their performance, and it's way easier to absorb than if your number f- like five has a bad day. Now, in this case, they had they had you know uh, Halliday, who was in their top five, had a, had a rough last kilometer as well too. But my point being, Orton went backwards over the last K and only lost what six, 17 points. Is that what we have on here? Seventeen points. Um, yeah. Just because of where the where the points are populated, right? Now, granted, she didn't she didn't crater as some of some other people as as poorly as some other people did, but yeah, she only lost uh, she she moved back sixteen spots and on the raw score that was fourteen points. But like, if you're in the middle of the pack, and you where there's going to be a point or every second, right? And you have a bad day, the it's impact is so points. much greater. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's yeah. that's the moral for me. Good moral. Go first on a thing that we were wrong about, or I was wrong about, was my optimism on our number one ranked athletes, Whitney Orton and Luis Grijalva. And I say that Mm. because I ranked them number one, even though they had been under-raced. Whitney Orton had no races in the winter, and Luis Grijalva just had one race where he wasn't you know, the top dog at that one Nevada meet. Yeah, I still ranked mm-hmm. them number one because they won the Oklahoma State invite back in October. I just thought on paper they are the best. So you, I'm just going to mm-hmm. trust my instincts. Well, I was wrong. I shouldn't have trusted my instincts. I should have put more faith in my two, three, four guys and women, like the Mercy Chilean Gots, the Kiptus, the Mances of this world, to be more race sharp than Orton and Grijalva were. Now, Orton and Grijalva still mm-hmm. – were instrumental to their team title. They didn't like blow up and finish 50th or 100th. They still both finished in the top 20. So I think both Orton and Grijalva are, are okay with how the race played out because mm-hmm. in the end, even though they thought they, they were contention to win an individual title, I think they're both end the day super happy that they finished still well, right? Top 10, top 20, and got the team title. So, But we were off on... Yeah. Grijalva and Orton because we just kind of ignored the fact that they didn't run. And we kind of just gave a little too much weight to precedent as opposed to what have you done for me lately. So that was one thing we got wrong. It was interesting. It was interesting. Orton is the third BYU runner and Grijalva is the fourth NAU runner. Shows you how strong their teams are. Um, the other thing that I thought is interesting, think is interesting about that is you watched both of those athletes work out this fall too. So I don't know yeah. what that says about your eye for prognosticating based on viewing workouts, but you had more information than pretty much anybody other than their coaches, yeah. and you you still had them number one. Yeah. By the way, Whitney Orton workout. Uh, Coach Taylor said that she only did four, but all all season leading up to. The championships and you got one of them so you have 25 yeah. percent of whitney orton's workouts which you're going to post uh to the site in the coming weeks so yeah there you go you, you didn't know it at the time maybe you were you were witnessing you're witnessing a rare occasion when you filmed that workout <laughs> in, in las vegas uh in terms of how many true. uh races races she had okay what else do you got on this list um, for what you got wrong this one is kind of like a, a subtle we got wrong 
But mm-hmm. NC State getting second, I feel like is us getting that wrong. And I say that because I think yeah. once the winter hit and the NC State women weren't running any more cross-country meets, uh, they were doing some indoor tracks, but they weren't like running like the way Oregon men were running. Like they were there, but they weren't doing anything crazy. Tui was kind of, you know, she was running solid like 3Ks, but it wasn't like out of this world. Whoa, whoa watch out for Caitlin Tui. And I think we kind of just decided going into the championships, NC State, yeah, they're a podium contender, but uh, they're not going to do that well. We kind of like they're yeah. injured. They we don't know. We haven't seen some of their athletes in a long time. Tui's not running like a crazy all star, but then they get second, and it was a convincing second. And I think we got that wrong. With we shouldn't have doubted NC State and that program that they have the talent. It makes sense that they get second in this race. And mm-hmm. Tui's a great talent. She's a top freshman. She was twenty fourth. It makes sense. But we kind of. We're slowly getting off the NC State bandwagon, bandwagon over time. We were all on it throughout October, but then as time dripped away, the bandwagon slowly slowed down, and it came to a halt. But now everyone's gonna get back on it. So, yeah, that yeah. was one thing. We got. No, you're right. You're right, and I think part of that's just because the weird racing schedules for each team. It was really hard to figure out who yeah. was doing what. Someone like someone like New Mexico put a lot of weight behind their last two performances because they were recent performances. And I had said BYU, New Mexico, I had narrowed it down to those two. And I thought Stanford had an outside shot. I had moved NC state into that tier with, with Washington and probably NAU. But you're, you're right. Yeah. And credit, credit to their team. Steelman coming back from, from running an individual race at um, indoors and running really well, I thought was impressive um, for her as well, too. And then, yeah, Caitlin Tui to be uh, the top freshman. Obviously, not too much of a surprise given her high school career, but it's always, you know, it's never a guarantee. Kelsey Camille, we should mention, too, doubled uh, from indoor back to, to cross as well. Uh, good run. Good run for them. And it, and it makes, I don't know, makes – the fall season interesting too, because you know now they got the success to to, to build on. We don't know, you know who's coming back on any team right now. That's it's a mystery to figure out, but th- they seem to be in the mix for sure. Yeah. Another thing we got wrong, but one percent right, and by that is Michigan State and Minnesota. We ranked them Michigan State twelfth, Minnesota thirteenth. So we had them back to back in the rankings. And they did finish back-to-back in the standings, but it wasn't 12th and 13th. It was 4th and 5th. So Mm -hmm. I think the Big Ten schools on the women's side showed up very well. And we kind of – we looked at Michigan State and Minnesota. It's like, yeah, you know, they're they're good teams, but they're not in this tier that we created. You know, we created that big tier up front with the Washington, New Mexico, Stanford, uh, BYU, et cetera. And we kind of never even thought about considering a Michigan State or a Minnesota. But lo and behold, they showed up when they counted most, and they ran really well. That was something we got wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and maybe, I don't know, I want to draw some conclusions about, well, the Big Ten championship being earlier was actually advantageous. But you look at the men's side, and that didn't really bear out. Correct? Well, on the men's side... I thought it was very interesting that the all the 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 Big Twelve champion, the ACC champion, and SEC champion, all who had their fall championship season, right, they all right. podium. That's what I'm saying. And NAU. Yeah. So like, you could argue that the earlier your conference meet was, the better you performed. Like West Coast Conference was a little bit earlier than the Mountain West and Pac-12. You know, you could mm-hmm. NC State did well. So the Big Ten. So. Maybe there's something about not having your conference meet the week out from NCAAs was a helpful thing for some of these teams. Yeah. Well, you're talking about Pac-12, essentially, right? That's your time. 12 and Mountain West. Yeah. Yeah. So Stanford, yeah, New Mexico, Washington. But I'm I'm looking at, you know, like Wisconsin men who you thought would could get on the podium, finished back in 18th 
Indiana men finished 26, Purdue men. Basically what I'm saying is if you want to say, oh, the Big Ten, <laughs> like it worked for the Big Ten women, but you know, for the Big Ten men, it didn't. So there must have been something else else at play there. I mean, it's never one thing. It's a, a combination of, of factors. Uh, okay, do you have any other? This is a long list of things you got wrong. So I'm just going to yeah, let last you keep one, going. I'm save, sure the listeners save, are enjoying this. Save the best for last. Um, I thought was I thought Wisconsin was going to run like Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma State was going to run like Wisconsin. So I got that I got mm. that wrong. Oklahoma State I had ranked okay. what seventeenth going in. They come out third. Wisconsin I had ranked fifth or fourth. They come out seventeenth or eighteenth. So I thought there was going to be that team. I thought I I knew there was going to be a Oklahoma like a a traditional cross country powerhouse finishing that top five. I just thought it was going to be Wisconsin. I did not think mm-hmm. it was going to be Oklahoma State. Um, Dave Smith was very quick to tell me this. He uh, sent me a screenshot of the rankings right after they finished third. Um, <laughs> he let me know that oh we're seventeenth, huh? You know, uh, no, they're they're third. Uh, so I got that wrong, and I got the I overthought Wisconsin would do well. I think Wisconsin didn't do well mainly because of youth, uh, and you know they I think two of their guys dropped out too. So I got that wrong. The Wisconsin Oklahoma State thing I got wrong, um, but it's okay. I'm allowed to be wrong. Being wrong is okay. <laughs> Speaking of youth, something I got wrong or just an assumption that I would have had would have been okay. Stanford's Stanford's freshmen might have a little bit of growing pains in their first NCAA championship on the men's side. And that was not the case. Nico Young, obviously, is going to get a lot of attention as, as a top freshman. But Charles Hicks and Cole Sprout went 14-15, Gordon, to, to lead Stanford. And they had a freshman as their third guy, too, back in 46th place, Kai Robinson. So good, yeah. good run for the Cardinal freshman, for sure. And the last thing we got wrong um... – Notre Dame, right? We were calling this the NAU BYU part 30, right? Where it's like, who's going to win? We know it's a one, two, it's a two team race, two team race, two team race. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it wasn't, it was clearly a two team race, but with a different team. And that is Notre Dame. I will say this though. I was thinking that this men's race was going to play out like the 2015 NCAA championships, the year Syracuse beat Colorado. And it kind of did play out that way. In a weird way, mm-hmm. it kind of played out that way where Pat Tiernan was Wesley Kiptu, where he goes out hard. The eventual winner was Connor Mance, Edward Cheserek, a guy, established mm-hmm. veteran who takes, you yes. know, who's just more patient and takes the win. But then you had a lot of, like, similarities. Syracuse, if you look at that 2015 Oh, hold on, we're gonna we're gonna do this one. Skimmy. If you look at the 2015 results, mm-hmm. so Syracuse scored 82 points and Colorado scored 91, and then third place was 151. So mm-hmm. basically, Syrac- uh, NAU was a better version of Syracuse, and Notre Dame was a better version of Colorado. But in the, in the end, like Syracuse went three seven nine, like three seven eight. So they had like a pack in the top ten, and then 29 35. Mm-hmm. Colorado, they were all packed. They went, they had their number, they had a, a guy finished second, but then they went 20, 21, 23, 25, 32. That's very similar mm-hmm. to what Notre Dame did, where they put their top six in the top 35. So Colorado is very similar to what Notre Dame did. The 2015 Colorado is very similar to this 2021 Notre Dame and Syracuse and uh and NAU. They just they all did a little bit little more points about better points but yeah it kind of it's interesting how that worked out um Mm -hmm. yeah so but yeah we did not see notre dame we thought that was going to be byu's role but it was notre dame's role and Mm -hmm. and it wasn't like a freak thing like they it was a very established we are the second place team like that's one of the better second place teams we've ever seen um and it makes you it gets you excited about what this Notre Dame team can do because look at the roster. It's a bunch of sophomores and juniors. Um, the, the one main senior is Yair Nagus, who you take him out of the results, they still probably still finish second because um, 
they had six guys all there in that top that top tier. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, we did not what, see Notre Dame being this good. What do you think we're going to see in the fall in terms of people coming back because the eligibility being as it is, people can take another cross country season if they'd like. Yeah, that's the million dollar question. Is typically you look to the next year, you know, the way too early rankings, you remove the seniors, and there you go. But this mm-hmm. year, everyone might return. Uh, I put that with a, like with a question mark because <laughs> if you're a senior, Seems unlikely. But the dark, but so I already polled the Arkansas men; all their seniors are returning. I polled the mm-hmm. Oklahoma State men. All their seniors are returning. Um, Notre Dame has two seniors. Even if one of them chooses not to return, they're still going to be just as good because their sixth man was right there with their fifth man. And then NAU, they're the ones who might actually lose legitimate seniors in Blaze Farrow and Luis Grijalva. Grijalva because he'll be like, I'm going to go pro. And Blaze Farrow because he's he's already a fifth year. Does he want to come back for a sixth year? That's going to be the interesting thing. I think there's going to be a a weird thing where some seniors come and some don't, and it's going to be based on right. circumstances of, oh, we have a chance for a team title or not. And we also can see some senior transfers. Like if you're a fifth year and you're graduated, hey, let me go to Wisconsin and try mm-hmm. to be a, a top five team, or let me go to Oregon or whatever. Um, it is interesting. I also think next year you have notable freshmen like Hobbs Kessler for NAU, Sydney Thors, uh, Thorvalds. How do you say that last name? Thorvalson. Thorvalson. Thorvalson of Arkansas. You have the Oregon men coming in because they didn't run. But you, I mean, they're gonna, they're going to get Aaron Benfield, who was 16th in this race. He transferred to Oregon, and then obviously Cole Hawker, Cooper Tier, if, if they don't go pro, um, healthy a healthy NC State. That's going to be a factor, right? They see Marley Starlipper and a year under you know, like NC State with the full year of training. Um, the mm. Arkansas women will be fresh. The, the Arkansas men will be fresh. So many different things. It's going to be really hard to predict, I think, 2021, especially right now. I think it's going to be easier to predict in the fall once we see how track plays out and we truly know which seniors are staying and going. Yeah, I think track will be the deciding factor for a lot of people because that will determine you know, pro ambitions as well. And then if some people make even, you know, a long run and somehow, some, somehow make it to the Olympics, you can see people not wanting to turn around and race again for in the fall or just entirely, you know, be done with your collegiate career and, and move on. Kind of like we saw last year, some people decided to come back, some people transferred and some people just said it's time to, Time to take the next step in life. Okay, do you want to talk about outdoors now or do you want to save that for Friday? I feel like we should save that for Friday of just kind of tease okay. some storylines for yeah. outdoors. Because there's a lot there. You know, that indoor meet gave us a lot of stuff to talk about with outdoors. And I know you could do a whole episode on the the men's 5,000 outdoors. Yes. The clash of 30 several times. The men's 5,000. <laughs> I'm gonna do the 30 for the end the last K. You can do it uh, in, in Stillwater. Yeah. You can do yours on uh, on the on the men's 5,000. But yeah, maybe on maybe on that pod we uh, we um, rank our our men's long distance athletes right now. Like who's number one? You know, because you could have an argument for a bunch of people. I put out a graphic showing how like you have last year's XC champ, you have this year's XC champ, you have the indoor 5K champ, you have the indoor 3K champ, you have the fastest mm-hmm. time athlete you know there's a lot of reasons for a bunch yeah. of things yeah well and it's happening soon right we're about 10 weeks away from that meet so not much not much uh not much time really so i mean i'm sure athletes are going to take some some downtime before they get going but it's a it's a real quick real quick turnaround are you gonna fill out a march madness bracket I am. I haven't watched a single game this year. The only thing I know, here's the only thing I know. I know three things about college basketball this year for the men. I know, I think and Gonzaga's the number one seed. There's a, named Cade, there's a person named Cade Cunningham. 
and yes. Duke's not in the tournament because they had a COVID outbreak and couldn't play ACC tournament, and they just weren't. And Kentucky, good. Kentucky isn't in it either. And well, but they didn't get COVID, right? No, but like two blue bloods not in it. I was thinking, literally, I, I know one brought... basketball player, Cade Cunningham. I, I should have brought this up. You could make up a whole bunch of names, and I would not know them. It's amazing. <laughs> I, I should have brought this up at the beginning of the pod, but should we create mm. a? a March Madness pool on like CBS or ESPN and let people challenge us in a bracket competition. I think you should build a bracket of uh, like you do every year. Did we do, what do we do? Myler Madness that one year? Yeah, no, I'm saying like, let, let's play. I'll, I'll challenge you. We could put the little wages. In. I'll create a, a hub. I'll put it in the description below and okay. people can, can well, if they win, join they our get? pool. Uh, we don't know that win? yet. We'll figure that out. What do you want? Come on, you got to get a flow pro know, for you. Flow pro you can for do you. that. You have wow, you have the authority yeah, to just stick it out my pocket and just give it out. Yeah, why not? <laughs> flow pro for a year. You got money. So the, you we'll got money. Out March Madness bracket, and you can go up against the two NBA talking heads who know nothing about college basketball. <laughs> I'm on the same boat. I normally follow <laughs> same boat. I normally follow college basketball, but I know nothing. Cade Cunningham. I'm right. Cade Cunningham, Gonzaga. I know Baylor's good. You know, how many ba- how many college basketball players can you name? Michigan. Right now, college basketball players, men's college basketball players. I can name way more women's college basketball players because I covered a little bit of the women this year. But men's college uh, basketball yeah. players, how many can you name? Kate Cunningham's the only one I know. Michigan I'll State agree. has some guy who's really good, right? Probably. Who's like who's the best guy in Gonzaga? Some white dude, probably. Can you <laughs> can you name can you name more Gonzaga runners or b- basketball players? Oh, runners. Yeah. Guliamon. <laughs> yeah. Moara. Yeah. yeah. There you go. There you go. All right. We'll leave it there. Flowcheckpodcast at gmail.com. Like Gordon said, if you want to get in the pool, uh, it'll be on the episode description on the website, flowtrack.org. You can also subscribe to our YouTube page, please. A lot of you guys did over the weekend. And we appreciate it. Thanks to Alon for producing. We'll be back on Friday to talk some outdoor track. We'll see you then.